It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 66 of Sports Day Plus. 6.30, it's the first of my two-segment chat with comedian, podcaster, and actor Brian Callen. Ahead of the fighter and the kid going live at Vulcan Gas Company tomorrow night at 10. And a mere seconds is the first of two segments with Justin Wells of Inside Texas on Longhorn Sports, Super Bowl 58, and more. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter, at Courtesy Wave, and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Justin Wells is one of the main guys behind the Inside Texas and InsideTexas.com, as well as the Inside Texas YouTube channel. And because he is a buddy of mine, he's nice enough to join me for a couple of segments, usually on Wednesdays to talk Longhorn sports and more. And hey, look at that. It's a Wednesday. So here we are. Justin, thank you as always for the time. How you doing today? Man, I am blessed, my man. How are you holding up? I am doing all right, and we are recording this on Wednesday morning, and you are actually on the road right now. Where are you headed today? Yeah, today I am headed to uh, Mansfield Timberview uh, to check out uh, four-star defensive tackle Dylan Battle, one of Texas' top targets and one of the top defensive linemen in the state and in the country. Uh, Just going to check out the Wolves and, and see what they got going on today. Cool. Safe travels to and from Mansfield. And uh, I guess we'll start this week with Chris Del Conte's town hall meeting for Longhorn fans. You could attend in person last night if you wanted to, or you could watch remotely. I actually have not had a chance to check out what CDC had to say just yet, but for you as somebody who uh, did watch a good chunk of this, what were your biggest takeaways from CDC's meeting with the people? Yeah, the town hall meeting is always a good, a good little, uh, a good little thing because it, you know, it just shows you how much Del Conte will literally take any question, <laughs> and he is trying to be a man of the people, and and and, and he does it so well. Uh, for me, I, one of the most noteworthy was he is determined to get Texas OU at two thirty p.m. Uh, away from the eleven a.m. kickoff and. You know, it's funny because there was a lot of animosity on, on, on social media about moving that game. Well, it, it was a mixed bag, really. But there were some people that were against, you know, putting it at 2.30. And for someone that's been in football most of his life, I thought that was usually the time. Like, I thought 2.30 was the standard for that, for that kickoff for a long time. I do know in the 90s, it, 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 they did have some 11 a.m.s as well, but – I mean, I get it when you're coming into the, the state fair at 11 o'clock in the morning. It, it, you know, you go ahead and get her going. Uh, but 2.30 to me feels so much better. That, 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 that's essentially a, a prime slot in college football on Saturdays. And, and I think, you know, as the game is ending, you could maybe see a little bit of a sunset between 5 and 5.30. And I, and I just think that feels – I like that vibe better. And so I like that he's trying to move that. Uh, he talked about – uh, playing, you know, he wants to play Texas A&M every year, and and they, and I believe they will, but until the SEC releases their schedules and 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 lets them kind of know what's going to happen over the next few years, I, I think it's a little unknown. Uh, there is the, you know, he he obviously said uh, that they'll play the, you know, next, this season in College Station, and then they'll do a home game in 2025 uh, when they host the Aggies, and so that was important to him that they play that game each time. He mentioned there wasn't a lot of tickets available from, from Michigan. You know, week two when the Horns travel up to Ann Arbor, 
I believe he said they were they Michigan gave them four thousand tickets, which doesn't seem like much in a stadium that seats I want to say something like a hundred seven or a hundred eight thousand people. But if I'm Michigan, I probably do the same exact thing. Mm. I expect their band to be up in the the left corner of the of DKR when they come to Austin. I believe in 2026 or 2027. Uh, but you know, just kind of hitting on a lot of those points, and I think the, the the biggest message was, you know, we're still in the Big Twelve. We still have to to, to get through it. But on June 30th, they're going to have an SEC extravaganza. Greg Byrne, the athletic our commissioner, is going to be in. Uh, they're a big brass from SEC are going to be in Austin celebrating July 1st, the next day going into the SEC. And so, um, I, I really, I think that was the toast of the party was to just kind of let people know, set the foundation for, for what they're envisioning, not going to add any more sports at this time. Some people had wondered about wrestling and men's soccer on the men's side, but he said, because of, you know, there's some title nine issues that he just doesn't think that's going to be likely uh, somebody even said that he needs to dress a little more casual and that uh, if he's wearing those suits in September, October, he's absolutely, you know, cooking and, and, and sweating and being too hot. And that's not going to happen. Our man Del Conte always dresses to the nines. And so, um, you know, I just love that Del Conte is so transparent and open with these questions and, and, and he, and he tries his best to, 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 to you know, satiate the, the, the crowd and to, to help him out as much as possible. And, and he did say, they asked, you know, what was the one issue you get the most? And he says, my Twitter is blown up with parking. And all he said was, we're working on it. And so if, if I haven't heard a more Austin answer, that was the one. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. As far as the Texas OU thing goes, there was a time where that game was more, at 2.30 more often than 11. And look, I've been to that game 30 or so times in person. The game is... We're going to enjoy it regardless. It is a much better game at 2.30. I would even be willing at this point, Justin, to consider the idea of having that game at like 6, 6.30 kickoff. I know people get worried because of what might happen after the game itself. Believe it or not, that area is starting to gentrify. There is a mezcal bar that is across the street from the fairgrounds now. So do people need to be careful if that ever happens? Absolutely. But it's something that is much more doable uh, now than even five or ten years ago. But ultimately, I love CDC's thinking with 230 versus 11. It allows us to take our time getting up, and maybe we can enjoy a few more corn dogs or those who uh, want to have a few more adult beverages before they go into the game itself can actually enjoy the state fair versus feeling rushed to get in there, get the beer, get the corn dog, and go straight into the game at 11. You, you nailed it. It is a complete pain in the ass trying to get to that kickoff by 11 a.m., you literally have to – you can live in Dallas, and you're going to have to leave at about 6 a.m. to get parking, to get into the fairground, to get your Fletcher corny dog, to get your cold beer or, or lemonade, and to get your funnel cake, to get to your seat. It is a struggle for people, and especially fans that have flocked to Dallas for that particular weekend to see Texas OU, and they usually have a really good time the previous night on Friday. And so I, I, I just – I like to be practical, Trey. That's how I roll. And I think 2.30 just makes a lot more sense. Yes, it does. And uh, looking at some of the other things that you just talked about here, playing every A&M every year, excuse me, is a no-brainer to me. Hopefully after yeah. next season's schedule, 
we'll see the SEC go to a nine-game conference yep. schedule. That way teams will play in pods. Texas will get the rivalries every year with OU, A&M, and yes, even Arkansas too. And you'll see a nice every two-year rotation with some of the other programs in the SEC. Then again, the SEC and that June 30th SEC bash, man, that's going to be such a great time for Longhorn fans to officially bid adieu to the Big 12 It's been an up-and-down relationship with the Big 12, but I think everybody is ready for it to come to an end. Hey, you're preaching tonight, Trey. I mean, you're you're preaching to the converted. You know, know, the Big Big 12 in Texas have had a tumultuous relationship, and it's not just the Big 12. It's some of the other teams. I mean, there's been some teams that get so butthurt, they've left the conference. Yeah, and, and and if you look what they're doing in the Big Ten and Pac-12, it wasn't much better. Matter of fact, it looks like one of them's trying to come back home. And so, yeah, you're right. It, it's been a, it's been a, an up and down relationship, and and it only got exacerbated by uh, the new commissioner uh, over the last two years. You know, taking little shots here and there, and making it real apparent that he's pretty much uh, happy that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. And the funny part is. Yeah, you, you may act like you're, you're happy in that sense, but the Big 12 is losing a lot of revenue. They're going to take a gigantic hit losing the two premier athletic departments in their conference. So I don't really care how much, how much they act or whine. Uh, when it comes down to it, it's a business, and the bottom line is going to take a hit, and it won't be on the Texas or Oklahoma side. No, it won't be. He is Justin Wells of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, the Inside Texas YouTube channel. Joins me for a couple of segments every Wednesday. Segment two with Justin is coming up on the other side. We're definitely going to get into a serious Longhorn flair at the NFL Skyline Combine here coming up at the end of the month. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back for one more segment with Justin Wells, Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, the Inside Texas YouTube channel. Give him a follow on Twitter at JustinWells2424 and hear him on this show every Wednesday for a couple of segments. Spent last segment talking about CDC's town hall. We shift our focus now to some news that came out yesterday, Justin, and that is the Texas Longhorns are very well represented at the NFL Scouting Combine at the end of this month and early next month. 11 guys are going to be taking part in drills and measurements and interviews, and it's just a great sign for uh, where this program is right now that they have uh, what I think is tied for the fourth most guys at the Combine this year. That's exactly what it is. It's a good sign. You know, the last three years, I think Steve Sarkeesian and his staff have recruited at a very high level you know, knocking down top three, top five classes for the duration of his regime. And this is the byproduct of that. Now you're sending guys to the league. And it's not just, this is not a one-year fluke. You're going to see 11 guys at the combine in a couple of months. And then next season, you're probably going to see another double-digit number of guys headed to the combine, you know, preparing for the NFL draft. And that's the sign of a healthy program. That's the sign to, to, to help recruit. Because nothing, and you know, no matter how big the school is, no matter how good the relationship is with the coaches, at the end of the day, if you're putting guys in the NFL, dudes are coming. It's just, it, it's really basic. And so, Texas getting that many, I feel like, is just really, really big um, for for a number of reasons. But my favorite is, you know, getting to cover these guys and recruiting so much, you really get to know them 
from freshman and sophomore years in high school. You watch him grow into becoming Texas Longhorns, and then you see him grow again and develop and build confidence. And there's a there's a real foundation of culture in Austin, Texas, because of these 11 guys that are headed to Indianapolis next month. You got guys climbing uh, mock drafts at a rapid pace. Byron Murphy, especially. Uh, Adnan Mitchell and Xavier Worthy getting a lot of notes. Jatavian Sanders could be a late first round, early second round guy. Tavondre Sweat, even if he is 400 pounds, is probably going in the first two rounds. <laughs> and so they got a lot of good stuff, and then they're going to have some guys on the back end. You know, don't forget Christian Jones. He was tremendous at the Senior Bowl. That guy made some money in Mobile. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, you know, coming off his injury, it's going to be interesting to see kind of where he look goes because I, I believe Mel Kuyper and a handful of others have him near the top of the running back heap in this year's draft and so it's exciting you know you should be excited because these guys paid their dues in austin you know some of these guys could have taken off early some of these guys could have left early and a couple of them have but they gave it all while they were in austin and so seeing them you know realize their dream of making it pro to me is the most rewarding part because like i said you get close to these guys covering recruiting and you want to see them have success, and you know how hard they've worked and sacrificed. And so uh, just really – I love that that came out yesterday. I love even more that Michigan has 18 of these jokers at the Combine. You know what that tells me? When Texas goes to Ann Arbor in week two of this next season, that's going to be a completely different Wolverine squad. Uh, that, to me, bodes well for the Horns as well. And so uh, it's, just a, it's just a win-win all the way around for the program. Yeah, different team, top to bottom, sideline included, too. As far as the Longhorns at the Combine are concerned, Justin, who do you think ends up benefiting the most in terms of draft stock when it's all said and done? Ooh, that's a good question. Damn, I wish you'd let me think about that before I answer uh, it, so I could uh, sound like I know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm gonna let uh, you think. I'm gonna let you think about it for a second, and I'm gonna give you my my thought on it because I think okay. I think it's going to end up being Jordan Whittington because people don't realize just how athletic and quick twitch that guy can be, and we actually saw that really start to reformulate at the end of this most recent season. Now he hasn't. Ever well, there have been moments, but consistently hasn't been asked to be the dude in that receiver room. But he obviously has a good game tape as a receiver, great game tape as a blocker, great game tape as a guy who's willing to do the little things, is a great teammate. He obviously has leadership qualities too. But I think when people watch him test, they get the measurements, they talk to the guy and see how high that football IQ is. He goes from somebody who right now may be considered an undrafted free agent rookie to someone who maybe slips his way into the end of the draft or maybe as high as something like the fifth round. Yeah, you know, Whittington's he's the feel-good story. Yeah. No matter what happens, listen, he's going to be in an NFL camp, rather it's going in the late, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round or as an undrafted free agent. And he's going to do all the little things that NFL teams look for. He'll be a special teams guy. He'll be a, a really good blocking wide receiver. And then they'll figure out once he gets the balls in his hand, he can make things happen. I'll give you one on each side of the ball. Christian Jones, like yeah. that's the guy that I've seen stock rise. And, and I thought he would be a fourth, fifth rounder regardless. But after seeing his, his feet and his pass pro, because, you know, he's always been known being an elite run blocker. It was always the pass protection that's going to be something he had to work on. 
he looks fantastic on offense. Give me Christian Jones to climb up a little bit, maybe even into the, the last of the second day, possibly the third round. On defense, I love Ryan Watts moving to safety. That's probably a move Texas might have wished they made last year, uh, especially when Malik Muhammad came on late and, and they really had a great duo in, in Terrence Brooks and, and Muhammad. Uh, Ryan Watts playing back there, you know, he's easy to root for too because he's such a good guy. I, I think he's got that, that link, that prototype link that they like in, in the secondary in the NFL. He's interchangeable. He can come down the box and cause some havoc. He can also cover. We've seen that, uh, especially in, in Tuscaloosa this last season. He made some plays uh, in the secondary that I thought were key. And so, to me, those are the two guys that I think you could see climb up the closer we get. You know, Byron Murphy's already been up there. Adnan Mitchell and Xavier Worthy and Sanders have been up there. But, man, give me some Christian Jones and give me some Ryan Watts, and let's have some fun with this. BK and I were talking about this on the YouTube show yesterday. What do you think JT Sanders runs? What do you think his 40 ends up being? Because I feel like people are sleeping on his speed a little bit, but he's also so good at finding empty space that it's hard to tell for sure just how fleet of foot he is. Yeah, you know, he was the number one athlete in his class coming out of high school. Um, He never played tight end in, in high school, and so he had to basically learn that from top to bottom, you know, from scratch. Um, I don't think he's going to run a great 40. Okay. The thing with Jatavian, and watch him in games, he's not running that fast, but he is outrunning guys. Yeah. Or he is keeping pace with guys. He is a big dude. I mean, I bet he's 255, 260. I mean, that dude is is wide. And so for him, I think he's more of a – box out kind of guy he's one he's more of a you know possession guy underneath guy see what he can do kind of guy in space um man I don't know what he's going to run the 40 I I really don't I don't want to throw out a number that might be insulting (laughs) but the thing with him I think that's gonna be even better than his 40 or his hand size yep I mean this guy has apple fritter catcher mitt hands I mean they're just giant paws if he was a grizzly bear he could drink three or four Cokes at once. Like, he just got <laughs> ginormous hands. And at the tight end position, to have that high of athleticism and ability and, and see his development over the last two years at that position, to me, that's what's going to stand out when he goes through the combine. You and I have both met our fair share of athletes, including guys who are just massive, who make you feel small. For me, the two guys whose hands I've shaken – that I've looked down like, my goodness, I'm like a four-year-old child right now shaking this person's hand where uh, former Giants great Leonard Marshall and then former Bears great, and these guys are both Hall of Famers, Dan Hampton. Is there somebody maybe other than J.T. Sanders for you that the first time you shook your hand, you've shaken their hands and uh, just felt very minuscule in the process? You know, that happens pretty often. I'll have to just, let's just be real. I got to keep it real. That happens pretty often, but I, I'll give you an obvious one. I have never shook, shaken someone's hand rougher or larger than Adrian Peterson, oh, former wow. running back for the Minnesota Vikings, uh, former Oklahoma Sooner tailback, and you know from Palestine, Texas. I mean, it, it's known, you know how how strong his hands are. I think he tries to hurt you. Like I think that's his intention, and I think he giggles when he does it because it's just massive and it just crushes you. But I'll give you another one, man. I met a kid a couple weeks uh, about a, you know we met him 
six months ago, but I saw him again at junior day. Kiati Armstrong, a 2025 tight end out of Jasper, Texas. He has size 16 shoes, and his hands are just massive. Mm. Like all these big linemen and big guys have pretty large hands for the most part, usually. But, man, Kiati's felt just, just different. Like you're shaking a hand with a polar bear. Like it just, it, it, it was just massive. And so, I, you know, it's funny because I, I, I feel like I shake some gigantic guy's hand twice a week. Byron <laughs> Washington, the big prospect out of DeSoto, 6'8", 400 pounds. His hands are like Shrek. Like, I mean, it's just, they're just, it's a different level of handshake and hand size. And, and, and that factors in, you know, people like that, especially in basketball. But um, give me Adrian Peterson. I mean, the hands weren't just large. They were crushing. And uh, I, I'll never forget that. And I know the next time I, I see AP, I'm going to dap him up. No more <laughs> am I going in for the handshake. I did that with Trent Williams one time. Went in for the handshake, regretted it two seconds after I did it. So I go straight fist bump for the rest of the time because I got to write with these hands. I got to type with these hands. And I got to throw the ball to my kid for the next at least 12 years with these hands. I can't take any risks, Trey. <laughs> that's right. Those hands are your money makers. Oh, that's a great answer and a great way to end today's conversation with Justin Wells, Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, the Inside Texas YouTube channel. Follow him on Twitter at JustinWells2424 and hear him on this show every Wednesday for a couple of segments. Justin, thank you as always for the time. Safe travels to and from Mansfield, and I will talk to you on the other side. Man, I appreciate you, Trey. Nothing but love. Coming up, it's the first of two segments with comedian, podcaster, and actor Brian Callen ahead of his show, Fighter and the Kid, doing a live broadcast from Vulcan Gas Company tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Tickets can be found at VulcanATX.com. Couple segments with Brian on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Ryan Callen is a longtime stand-up comedian, podcaster, and actor who's bringing those podcasting skills to Austin tomorrow night, doing a live broadcast of Fighter and the Kid with Brendan Schaub at Vulcan Gas Company. You can grab tickets for the show, which begins at 10 p.m. at VulcanATX.com. Ryan's now nice enough to join me for a few minutes to talk about that and more. Ryan, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? Just a man, my friend. I'm here in Texas, great state of Texas, uh, and loving it. So uh, I always feel a little safer in Texas. I don't know why. I just feel like if the hits the fan, I can uh, I can come out here and just hang out with one of my buddies who has access to a well and and his own and a freezer full of game meat and a library full of guns. That's I mean that's the key is everybody's armed here, so uh, everybody's afraid yeah. to uh, to pull that gat out on somebody else because you're going to end up getting shot as a result. You know. Yeah, the problem is that 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 guns probably aren't going to help you for the for the future that's coming down the pipe. I don't know how you shoot AI, so you know we'll see. AI doesn't feel pain, and it's also a more no. accurate shot and much better organized than any of us humans are. Yeah, your jujitsu is no good here. So, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, uh, the fighter and the kid is going to be here in Austin tomorrow night. Vulcan Gas Company. You've been at Vulcan before. I think you've done stand up there. You were part of Minds Fest at Vulcan yep, last yep. year as well. It's a really cool spot yeah. for stand up, and it's great for podcasts too. What can people expect from this live broadcast for Fighter and the Kid tomorrow night? We have a very special guest. I'm not going to say who it is, but just know that they're very special. 
And uh, I think that it's the first time we've done this live show in a long time. So we're going to get out there and basically, I think, reflect on where we were and where we've come and where we are now. And we're going to talk about all kinds of things, where Brendan is in his life, where I'm at in my life. And, and and just try to keep it as funny as we can. We're going to have fan questions. We're going to get the fans involved. We're going to take any question that they want. And we're going to have uh, – and then we're going to turn it over to our guests and just rock and roll and just try to make it a fun, funny, informative live event. And that's a long way of saying I have no idea what we're going to do. We have an outline, and that's about it. Well, you're the big, busiest man in entertainment. You've got like 35 different podcasts. You are doing the stand-up comedy thing. I'm sure. No, you're I've still- narrowed it down. I've narrowed it down to Fighter and the Kid and Off Limits, which uh, which I'm really happy is actually gaining uh, a lot of traction. So, oh, is the uh, cool. this conspiracy podcast with Tripoli no longer happening? I didn't have time. I just okay. didn't have time. I love Sam so much, and 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 Sam and I are actually doing. Uh, we're we're co-headlining an event in Bakersfield. Uh, California, February 23rd and February 24th will be at the rec room in Huntington Beach, California. So I'm excited about that, but I just didn't have time. I, I, I got four kids now and are one, well, a, four, a fourth soon to be, and I just don't have time to do three oh. podcasts. It's killing me. Congratulations. And the kids span from teenage down to about to be born. I'm curious for you, as, who is somebody who pays such close attention and has uh, such uh, really just sharp philosophical views. What do you think the biggest challenge is for parents in 2024? Uh, trying to instill a consistent, a consistency, a sense of value. Well, I think the hardest thing is shielding them from the internet, from the, the, and it's not just, you know, people say, well, they're, they're listening to the wrong things. I never worry about that. It's just getting their attention. You know, I have this 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 thing I say in my stand-up. I, I bought my kids the iPhone, and I haven't seen them since. Yeah. And they kind of haven't seen me either. And all we are is just looking for dopamine while we scroll with our thumb. And we have, you know, I thought I could keep my kids off drugs. Well, I gave them the iPhone. And they're, they're way more interested in being under their covers, quite literally, and hanging out with that phone than doing anything else. So what you don't realize is that this becomes the new normal, that your kids should have a tablet or a phone at the dinner table, or when you're out to lunch, dinner, or when you're with friends and you're watching the Super Bowl. Well, that doesn't have to be the case. So the hardest thing is just keeping their attention, uh, having them be involved on a human level, connection with each other, getting out there on their bikes with a ball. Uh, whatever it might be. And I, I think that's a losing battle. I, I really do. I, I don't know how we do it. Um, I was uh, I, I was at a friend of mine's house. She doesn't allow, and she has six kids. There are no phones. There are no tablets, not in that house. They are not allowed. And let me tell you something, man. I, I couldn't believe it. Those kids were were playing with each other. They were, they were hanging out with us. They were present. You know who the only person in the, that room wasn't present? It was me. I was on my phone. I found five different reasons during the Super Bowl, maybe 10, to check my phone. And that's because I'm an addict. So every time I tell my kids to get off their phone, you know, uh, I should be telling myself that as well. And I don't do it. So, you know, I think that's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is setting a good example and ultimately combating this tidal wave, this tidal wave, which comes with a lot of good, but also comes with a lot of peril. 
It's really so. tough for a generation of parents whose kids are in maybe their early 20s or teenage years now because you just didn't know any better at first. You thought that it would help arm them with knowledge for the present and the future, but it turns out all these years later, we're finding out that uh, these big tech companies are finding ways to hack into our neural systems. And yeah, too much screens for anybody, but especially these young developing brains are really detrimental for their ability to think critically, to be present. I mean, some of the things that you just talked about, Brian. Yeah, because information, this tree of knowledge called Google, etc. information does not necessarily lead, it may lead to knowledge, but knowledge does not necessarily lead to wisdom. Mm. It doesn't necessarily lead us toward truth. You can have a lot of information and have zero truth. You can have a lot of information and a lot of knowledge and not possess wisdom. And wisdom in many ways, you can be, define it in a lot of different ways. It might be, I know how some some traditions define it as being able to see the end in the beginning. How is this going to turn out? A wise person usually knows how to stop doing something before uh, it turns into a disaster. They can recognize that that over there may look shiny, but it's not good for you. And um, sometimes I think that's the case with the Apple phone. And I think it's very significant. Again, something I'm, I'm kind of working on a theme it's called the apple and it's got a bite taken out of it yeah. and you could make the argument there is before apple and there is after apple for all of us um it, it just became such a seductive piece of equipment and something that we can't let go of and i if you think the iphone 15 is addictive wait till ai 1000 hits baby okay now i'm an optimist but we always have our challenges we always have our challenges so, and I think that um, that that we'll never not have challenges, and we'll never not have trade-offs, and you'll never not have the opposites. You'll never not have the dynamic of opposites. Yes, the iPhone brings a lot of good. Yes, AI has incredible promise. But like anything else, and like a human being, it has its dark side too. So we just got to be. We got to make sure that the that the good side wins. It certainly does. And I heard you mention, are uh, you and Jamie Kennedy talking about the whole Apple thing, pre-Apple, post-Apple on your Off Limits podcast? Great show, by the way. Highly recommend people check that out. Uh, such a great Thank exchange you. of ideas. And you talked about something else in that episode that, I, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to uh, explain to the people watching and listening right now. And that is the cult of the amateur, because I was completely unfamiliar with this, but it is so relevant in modern times. So the cult of the amateur is not its something I stole from somebody who I think wrote a book about it. And I think I interviewed the person a while back. can't remember his name, but I, it always struck me. I loved the saying cult of the, the cult of the amateur because YouTube, you know, it, there's an old saying that, you know, um, opinions are like assholes. everybody has has one. And most people's opinions are not based on thought. They've not been earned. They are based on attitudes. And attitudes, what, what girds and undergirds an attitude is really an emotion. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a bias that you, you kind of like uh, sort of inadvertently or maybe even consciously absorbed um, uh, took on. It just made more sense to your probably your biology, the way you're, you're constructed. It's kind of the way some people are just naturally more conservative and other people are more liberal. Some people have an open personality. Other people have a closed personality. And so I think that that's kind of what happened was 
when when it became very cheap to be able to shoot yourself and send that out to everyone everyone had a voice and um and you just have just a bunch of noise and the challenge more and more when you ask me bringing it back to the first question biggest challenge raising kids the challenge is really being able to see what the truth is you hear a lot of people saying a lot of stuff in the air and the real challenge is um knowing what to actually listen to knowing what to anchor anchor yourself to knowing where the truth really is because most of it is bull now you don't want though to that to allow you to go everything's a lie everything's a conspiracy that's not the way to combat that you've got to be very very careful and very very um deliberate about how you are where you get your information and what to trust and that's becoming harder and harder i don't know the answer i don't know how you how you figure that out but uh there are probably places that you shouldn't look anybody who is it's like this any expert who's telling you they have the one answer if somebody tells you it's easy it ain't real run hmm. you know like i have a joke if i read a self-help book and it, the, the the it's going to be one page and it's going to say if it's easy it ain't real and i'm going to write a nutrition book if it tastes good it's probably not good for you so spit it out that <laughs> that's it you know and 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 the the other the other maybe line in the book will be um it takes forever because it's supposed to. So anytime you hear and anybody who's a so-called expert telling you that all you have to do is this one thing, these three things, anytime you hear somebody telling you that the way to get rich is by doing just these three things, um, any, anytime you, you see somebody selling you salvation, selling you longevity, selling you wealth, um, you might want to run. You might run a run because at the end of the day, they're selling you something like the version of their just have a good metric. Have a good metric. He is comedian and podcaster Brian Callen bringing his podcast Fighter and the Kid to Austin tomorrow night for a live taping with Brendan Schaub. It's a Vulcan gas company. You can get tickets for the 10 p.m. show at VulcanATX.com. Coming up, one more segment with Brian on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back for one more segment with comedian and podcaster Brian Callen. He's bringing his Fighter and the Kid podcast to Austin tomorrow night along with Brendan Schaub. They're doing a live taping at Vulcan Gas Company at 10 p.m. Get tickets at VulcanATX.com. And Brian, in thinking about the idea that things uh, things that are really easy are usually too easy to be true, I think that gets back to something that I think about as a parent of a 9- and 7-year-old. And you're right, by the way, like... I've already told my kids, I know half your class has screens and you're on screens half your day at a really good public school too, by the way, which is infuriating, but you guys need to prepare yourselves to not have any form of cell phone, I don't know, until high school, and that first cell phone that you're going to get is probably going to make phone calls and send text messages, and that's going to be it, but I struggle with this as a parent of a nine and seven-year-old who wants to give my kids a good life. You want to give them this comfortable life, and every generation has a little bit easier than the previous generation. And as a result, I think it's up to us as parents, if we're doing it right, to find the proper ways to challenge our kids. Sports can do that because it teaches teamwork and it teaches the need to uh, to really focus on something and work hard to get better at something. I'm trying to come up with other good ways to challenge kids, though, that aren't necessarily putting them in, in some sort of extreme harm in the process. Just get really good at something. 
it doesn't have to be sports, man. It could be the guitar. It can be anything. But when, when you've got to get really good at something and compete, this is what's great about trying to be an entrepreneur or just trying to do anything in life that where you don't have a net. There's this great video on Instagram that says, burn all the boats. Burn them all to the f- ground. Burn every <laughs> single boat. It, it comes from the story of, uh, I think it was when um, a Spanish conquistador came and, and came into the New World and he burned all the boats. He goes, we're, we're settling this. It's all or nothing, mother you know, and that that idea is interesting. You know, um, when my mother asked me when I decided to be an actor and she said, what's your game? What's your plan B? Like, don't you have a backup? Shouldn't you go to law school and get a business degree in case this doesn't work out? And I said, oh, no, 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 no I don't play that game. I, 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 if I don't do this, then I can't do anything else because I'm not, I, I just can't stomach doing any of that other stuff. The, I, I, I have to succeed. I mean, I have to. Because if I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I think I don't want to be alive. Like that's how desperate I was to be successful as a, as a, as an actor. I'm serious. When I auditioned for Mad TV, I got that part not because I was experienced, not because I was, but because I, I had to. I mean, it was life and death for me. Practically, mm. I'm not joking. I, I couldn't. I knew I couldn't get back on that plane and go back to my apartment in Hoboken, New Jersey with with linoleum floors over a Chinese food restaurant. I couldn't do it. I couldn't go back to being a temp at Goldman Sachs or wherever the I I could get a job. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I physically couldn't. I had to get on TV. I had to be a professional actor. I had to, quote unquote, make it. And, and, And I used to always say that to people. I go, you want to get in this business. You're competing against people as desperate as I am. And, and uh, you're not going to do it otherwise. It's, it's why you hear these tennis players. I, I know friends who are on the pro circuit. And I go, well, you didn't, they were like, you know, they were like 1,000 in the world or whatever. Or maybe that's a huge accomplishment when it comes to tennis. You talk to them and they're like, I just couldn't compete with the Russian, Serbian, you know, Croat kids who had only that as an option, who lived in a van with their dad, who was their coach. And it was either this or nothing. You're not competing with people like that. That's why Khabib Nurmagomedov from Dagestan, he had fighting or a factory job somewhere in the Caucasus Mountains. Okay? That's it. You have two options. There's something about desperation. How much of a desire do you still have to act? Because you've obviously, uh, I mean, you are a prolific podcaster at this point. You do a great job with the stand-up, too. I mean, do you do you even care about acting at this point? Not as much. I never have, to be honest with you. Huh. It's a hard thing to admit. But, uh, I mean, I'm writing a script right now I'm excited about. But uh, I like writing. I like um, I like writing. Uh, the acting is, this, is secondary. It's fun. But overall, I love um, stand-up. I like the writing process. I like I like solving creative problems. I like coming up with ideas. So that yeah. hunger to succeed as an actor was less about doing it as an actor and more just a desire to entertain people? Is that what it was? Yeah, I just wanted to... Um, I had a different idea of what acting was. But yeah, I, I just... I was so moved by movies. I was so moved by De Niro and Pacino and Walken. That's my generation. I just wanted to be... I wanted to... I was like, how do I get involved with that? How do I work with people like that? Like, I watched Raging Bull and I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. It was so good. I watched like The Deer Hunter, that Russian roulette scene. I was like, dude, like I felt so deeply. I just wanted to figure out how they, it was such a mystery to me. It's like, how do you do that? It's like watching a great boxer. You're like, how the f- are you, how are you punching like that and standing? Where, how are you hitting? How are you doing that? How are you moving your head and catching shots? And so it's, it's, it's sometimes like, like things become such a profound mystery and they're so moving to you. 
that you just want a flashlight into that dark room. And that's kind of how it started, man. I just, I just, I just, and I wanted to be famous too. It just looked so cool to be loved by that many people and to be rich, to be rich for something that you love doing that didn't seem like work, seemed like play. Mm. Like I, I hated the idea of wearing a suit and going to work every day. And, 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 and uh, my life at the end of my, the, the, the end of the day, my life was a number. I wanted to be an artist. It just seems so romantic. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it was. And when I say rich, I just wanted to be, when I mean rich, I, I just, I, I saw myself like in a, an Italian villa with a beautiful woman and, and with wine. And like, there was something, you know, I don't know. I had this really sort of commercial idea of what wealth was, so, you know, like that sort of not, not fancy cars or full clothes. I just wanted to be, um, I, I just saw myself in Europe with a beautiful woman and an and actor with a goatee, I think. I think. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't I, remember what. I, don't, I remember what. I don't remember what money meant to me. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't what a lot of people want money for. You pay the bills in yeah. part through the stand-up comedy. I think I heard you mention to Jamie Kennedy that you're close to shooting that next stand-up special. Have you figured out the general philosophy of that next special yet? And if so, yes, what I is have. it? I have, and, and it's something in the area of, I think we've all been getting ready for the wrong enemy. As men, we're spending a lot of time doing our war games, and the war is going to be very different, and the enemy is going to be very different. So, And all of us are going to be left with our pants down with a bunch of rusty, rusty weaponry. We're taking a knife to a gunfight. I certainly am. I think all of us are. And we don't have a choice because we don't know how to get ready for what's coming. Some people are, but those people are probably what you would call the nerds. They're not as concerned with, you know, when you grow an aggressive beard and you're really good at jujitsu in your forties and you've got a library of guns and your garage is converted into a CrossFit gym because you got to be functionally fit. All of that ain't going to, ain't going to help you in the, in the latter 21st century here. That's all hilarious and adorable. And you make a cute looking package, but you're not going to be able to protect your family that way. It's going to do all for your family. When an autonomous robot does anything your child can do better, and when uh, everything your child and you have learned and everything you've taught your child is actually irrelevant to the marketplace in 10 years, it's going to feel real for all of us. And that's probably what I'm writing about. Uplifting. <laughs> hey, uh, telling the truth doesn't is doesn't always involve being as optimistic as humanly possible. It means uh, sometimes yeah, you're right. being pessimistic slash realistic as well. All right, last question but, now. But the job is to make it funny, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I, I have no doubt that you're going to do that. Last question, though, because uh, thoughtful people, smart people, successful people tend to ask themselves a lot of questions. And usually there's one overriding question at a given time. Is there one question that you find yourself right now pondering more than the others? That's a great um, that's a great question. Um, it's a great question. And I, I think the one question that I probably are, I'm constantly thinking about is again, what hypothetical danger am I wasting my time getting ready for? And what should I actually be getting ready for? Where should my attention, my energy, my weaponry, my armor be pointing at? And what should it be pointed at? I mean, that, that's really the question. And I don't know. 
I don't know the answer. I don't know how to get ready for a future that I don't see myself being able to fit into. And when I say I, I'm really talking about my children. Um, so, so I just find myself, um, and, and then I, then I find myself realizing that what really matters is community and connection. Um, and, and, and I had a recent experience where, you know, I bought a house in, in Florida and I realized that you don't need a lot of money to be happy and you don't need a lot of money for your children to be psychologically sound and fulfilled. Uh, you just need a good community around you. And that community can be middle-class, working-class people who are living their lives with great families. And uh, if you know everybody on your block and you get along with everybody on your block, you can't put a price on that. You cannot put a price on that. You can keep your billions of dollars. If I know everybody on my block and we all get along and my kids get to play in their in their yard and everybody's, everybody's riding their bike on the street and we're all hanging out, uh, that's, that's what I want. That's the way I want to live. So... That seems to really have been lost in places like California over the last few years. You have no idea. Yeah, it has. Part of it's just that L.A. scaled around the car. So you're driving everywhere, you know, and uh, there are exceptions probably in California. But for the most part, yeah, that's true. And anytime there's a lot of wealth in any 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 community, uh, big houses and big walls separate people. And you don't need anybody on your block. You don't have to even know them because you don't need them because all you can, you can outsource everything you need. You can send somebody to the grocery store. You just don't live a real, real life. And I don't think, I think that's the big trap. So he is the fire breathing dragon known as Brian Callen, philosopher, comedian, podcaster. You can actually check him out as a podcaster and probably a comedian as well for being completely honest and a philosopher too for that matter. What the hell am I talking about? BrianCallen.com. That's all I have to Brian say. BrianCallen.com is the website. Check him out. Fighter and the Kid live I'll, I'll broadcast. Be I'll be at Louisville Comedy Club uh, March 1 and 2, so come see me, everybody. Louisville March Comedy Club as well and Vulcan, uh, Vulcan Gas Company for that Fighter and the Kid live broadcast. VulcanATX.com to get the tickets that remain. It's a 10 p.m. start time, so make sure to act now to grab those. Brian, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for the time today. You're a good man, Trey. I appreciate you, buddy. All right, another show is in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll be back tomorrow at 6. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the evening and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling.